everybody this morning. Um, if you'll just take a moment, um, greet the person next to you, say hi.
this song, it just automatically makes me think of being in heaven. And, and right now, you know, the Spirit is here. God is here. His presence is here. And it says, I fall on my face with angels and saints, and all I can say is, holy, holy, holy. Like, if that doesn't get you excited, if that doesn't make you just excited to sing to Jesus and just praise him and say that he is holy, then I, I, don't, I don't know. Heaven's going to be different for you. <laughs> because heaven is going to be amazing, and we're going to be worshiping him, and we're singing this song. And sometimes I think we don't necessarily think about the words of a song as we're singing it. But I want us to really think about this song. This song is talking about entering the throne room of God. We are able to enter the throne room of God, and that is amazing. So we're going to sing through this chorus, and we're going to sing through this bridge again, and I just want you guys to just worship God, to thank him that we can enter the throne room, that, that we can go to him because he is holy, because he is holy.
John chapter 5. It says, Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda, which with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been uh, six, sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, and he had been ill for such a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? And he says, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. There was um, the season that uh, they say an angel would come and, and stir the waters. And that there would be a, a manifestation of God's presence and there would be healing. And, and the first one into the water would experience God's healing hand. But see, that was, that was at a time when God's presence operated different on the earth. And so Jesus told him, he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. And see, we're in this season in the church where God is wanting to do things in, in our midst. But we have to press into those things because even as... Uh, it was sharing that the first one in was able to experience the healing hand. Today, there is a presence of God that is wanting to do amazing things within the body of Christ if we're willing to press in. And, and the question that Jesus asked this, this lame man, do you want to be healed? That same question comes to us today. Do you want my manifest presence in your life? Do you want to experience all that I have for you? Because you know what? If you don't want it, that's okay. God's never going to force it on us. But when we push in, when we press in, I think God is wanting to do something. And so, Miss Jean's got something to share here. And uh, then we're going to just sing through this one more time. I'm not wanting to manufacture a response, but I just believe if you're in the midst of a struggle, if you're in the midst of a season of your life where uh, you're just struggling with things, I believe God wants you just to... Press in for a moment. Miss Jean. About 30 years ago, maybe 35, I stood up here in front of everybody and I said, time is short. Time is short. And I don't really remember what else I said because the Lord was leading me. But it's short now. It's even shorter. We are, we are really in the last days, people. We need to tell our friends, tell our neighbors about Jesus Christ. That's the only way. We have to bring more people on board. And I truly believe this church is going to start it. We're going to be a start. We preach truth. Pastor preaches truth. And we have to go by that. God bless you all.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, I remember um, a time when I was growing up, and uh, I didn't know Jesus. Hadn't, didn't grow up in the church. And uh, my mom and dad were in a big fight, ugly situation. And I, and I remember running out of the house down to the end of a cul-de-sac that we lived near. And, uh, and I just was praying God to take me out of that situation, out of that mess. You know, I was probably 12, you know, 13. And, and I just so desperately wanted, even though I didn't understand who God was, I, I knew... <laughs> I knew there had to be someone out there and that I just needed him to rescue me. And uh, sometimes we have to run to him. You know? Sitting back when we have trouble all around us does us no good. Sitting back does us no good. We have to run to that thing that will um, fix our problem. You know, when a, when a child gets hurt, um, they take off running for their parents. You know, they, they want mom or dad to, to pick them up, to hold them. And, uh, you know, we should run to our Father in that same manner. We've got to push in. We've got to press in. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You can all be seated. Praise God, I'm so appreciative of uh, our worship team just being able to, to press in there. Um, you know, uh, Pastor Willie and Christina are, are not here today, and, um, and, and Willie with, you know, the, the different instruments he plays for us, you know, sometimes, you know, we feel his loss, but, uh, you know, uh, I love it that our team just able to pick, make adjustments and, uh, you know, you know, little Luca was sick last night and not having a good night, and so they were up most of the night with him. And how many of you parents have ever been there? You know, you know that feeling? Yeah. Praise God. Tell you what, I tell you, I'm glad that um, those are our moments in our, child's, our children's lives. Um, praise God. How many of you are fishermen? Okay. Fishermen or women. You know, in the, in the Bible... When they talked about men, um, many of the writings, actually, the, the word that was utilized was a neutered gender. That meant men and women. Yeah. So it, it was not designated just to, um, uh, to women so, uh, or to men in that situation. Well, this really is for you all today. So um, I remember my neighbor... Um, taken me and my, my siblings fishing. Now, we, I, I had never fished before in my life, um, before this moment. Um, so I, I'm guessing I was probably around that same age, 10, 11, 12, something like that. Um, and uh, we grew up over in West Alexandria, so just uh, 35 through New Lebanon, small little town, one stoplight, except for when school was in, and then we had two. Um, how many of you grew up in a town like that, you know? 
um, there were 350 people in our school. So my, graduation, my graduating class was uh, 60. So um, it's a small school. Um, but so my neighbor took us fishing, took all us kids, you know, fishing. And he loved carp fishing. How many of you have ever been carp fishing? Okay. Now, he did not go fishing for food. <laughs> Very few people actually eat carp because there's a mud vein in it. And uh, you got to know how to, to, to fillet those things so you don't destroy because you, you nick that mud vein and it, it, it disperses all through the meat and it's done. But he went fishing for the fight. So he'd make these dough balls out of corn and different things. And, and we'd go fishing. And, um, and I tell you what, these, the fight that you got from some of these fish was amazing. And I remember the first fish I ever caught. I don't know how long it took me to get this thing in there. You know, I mean, at my age, it probably felt like, you know, I, I was fishing for an hour just trying to get that one fish in. Um, but it was like a 20-pound carp. It was huge. And, uh, man, I was so proud of that. But, but it was this, this whole thing that just understanding I'm fishing for the fight. Um, Jesus came into the world not to fish for the fight. Although, let me just be honest... Some of you were a fight to get in. You know? Some of you were not easy, but, but he was persistent. Uh, and he was willing to put the time in to draw you in. To make a difference. And uh, I know all of you may have, or all of you that are fishermen are, are probably good with a good fish story once more. How many of you have ever caught um, a fish this big, you know, you know, this big, you know, um, <laughs> you, some of you are catching that, it's alright, um, we're, we're good at sometimes being evangelical about our fish, um, how huge it was, um, but we have to understand that sometimes uh, we have to bring it back down to uh, where it's at, and, and be realistic. And so today I want to be real with you, alright? I, I want to be real with you. Over the last couple weeks, we have been focusing on, on Jesus coming into your world and bringing transformation. See, the truth of the Gospel is this, that Jesus will accept each one of you where you're at when you come into a relationship with you, but He has no desire to leave you there. How many can say praise God? So, so there, is this, there is this concept, you know, that people think, well, God's never going to require anything of me that I can come as I am and stay as I am. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. There is, that message is not in the Bible. It does say come as you are, but He never says that you'll leave as you are. His desire is for you to change. He wants you to develop a lifestyle that resembles His. That's what a disciple is, is little Christ. And so He wants you to come along and He wants you to change how you live, how you think. That's what last week was focusing on. Taking every thought into captivity. It was about us changing how we think and how we, 
how we process things in our head so that how we're living is a direct result of what we're thinking. Today we're going to build on that just a little bit more, and I promise you it's not going to, I, if you notice your sheet, it doesn't even take up a full half of a page. Now sometimes that doesn't mean anything, but today I'm going to try to keep you there. So today I want to talk to you about a, a fishing story where Jesus comes in and brings transformation. All right? So last week I, I shared a little bit touching on the frustration that Christ had, had experienced in dealing with the disciples and some of those closest to Him as He was approaching um, the crucifixion. He was frustrated because people weren't catching the seriousness of this event. They had missed some of the valuable lessons He had been trying to teach them. So it, let me just recap just a little bit. In, in the book of John chapter 19, we have all you know a lot of the events leading up to the crucifixion of Christ. We're not going to read all of chapter 19 today. We're not going to read any of that really. Chapter 20 is the empty tomb moment. It is after Christ has risen from the grave and some of the events that took place where some people began to see the resurrected Christ before He ascended to the heaven. John chapter 20, I'm just going to give you a real a short snippet here, three verses. Uh, it's 29 through 31 says, Jesus said to them, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Because this was one of his first times that he showed himself to the disciples. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and, and that believing you may have life in His name. So, the events that we have talked about, the things that we have read in the Scripture, those things have been written for our benefit. Say, my benefit. That's what, that's what a lot of those things were written for. So that you'll believe. You know? You, you, you go back and years ago, they thought that it was, it was impossible for man to run a four-minute mile. How many of you remember that story, you know? Until Roger Bannister, I think it is, you know, broke the four-minute mile one time. And then after that, there was a progression of people that began to break the four-minute mile because he proved that it could be done. And once people began to hear, they began to believe. Sometimes when we read the Word of God, we forget that we are able to, we're, we're reading these things so that we can hear and believe that the things that God wrote are for us and that they're real. They're not just nice stories. They're, they're real. So that we can believe in the power of the Son of God. Now let's look at chapter 21. We're going to read through verse 19. It says, After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, He showed Himself. Again, He's, he's teaching a lesson, right? Right? Simon Peter, 
Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. Does that sound like a bunch of guys? They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Also sounds like a bunch of guys. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. I, I, there's so, I mean, I could break down every verse. How many times have we missed Jesus because uh, we weren't really looking for Him to show up? I mean, after all, the disciples thought, well, Jesus already showed Himself after He rose from the dead. He's, he's probably gone now. But Jesus showed up. And He said to them, children, have you any food? Another translation says, have you caught anything? And they said, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Again, Jesus shows up at just the right time when desperation is set in and they're thinking, man, we just need to give up. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And therefore the disciples who, and I love this, therefore that disciple, that disciple, whom Jesus loved. Wouldn't you like to be acknowledged as that disciple whom Jesus loved? They don't give you his you know, name in the, so many of the verses, but they're saying that disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Of course, he would be the one. That favorite, chi- you know, that favorite child that acknowledges, you know, well, mom, dad wouldn't like that, right? Do any of you, were any of you that kid that you were the one to say, well, you know, mom or dad wouldn't like that, <laughs> you know? You were the favorite, whether you, you know, anybody else acknowledged it or not. But it's because you were obedient. Sometimes that's one of the issues. The favorite one is the one that obeyed. And that's why others have issue with them, because <laughs> they're not. Whose problem is it then, right? That disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but also 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. 200 cubits is about 300 feet. So Peter, again, in true Peter fashion, Peter was hot or cold, you know. He was either all in or all out, you know, and it's like all of a sudden he realizes um, Jesus is on the shore and he, he puts on his outer garments and jumps in to swim to the shore. He leaves the rest of the disciples to, to drag the, the catch in. Jesus said to them, then, oh, excuse me, then as soon as they came, had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. So Jesus had already started a fire, had some fish going, and, and even cooked some bread. You know, he's quite a guy. He's a real man's man. Out in the middle of nowhere, he, he's got fish and bread already ready to eat. And, he's, and Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, 
who are you, (laughs) knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples. And after he was raised, uh, uh, the third time he had showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to them, Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and for the things that it communicates to us, the things that it reveals to us. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us. We ask for this in your name. Amen. So I don't know what was going on in Peter's mind at this point. You know, he, a few days earlier, had the denial moment, (laughs) denied Christ how many times? Three times. Okay? Set him down a a path of of mental destruction. You know, any time we come to that moment where we fail God, there is an internal process, an internal dialogue that we go through where we begin to berate ourselves, where we begin to belittle ourselves, when we begin to lose hope on that we can actually change. Paul, or Peter's mindset in this moment, you could tell, was beginning to change. Um, and, and that's why after Jesus raised and the ladies found him in the tomb, the first thing they, he told him, he said, go tell my disciples and tell Peter. He, he, sing, he singled out Peter because he wanted to catch Peter's attention because he understood where Peter's mind was. And then now we're having Peter out fishing. Do you remember where Jesus encountered Peter the first time? What was that? Matthew 4, he was fishing. <laughs> he was fishing. And, and Jesus told Peter to come and follow me. And he pulled him out of that moment of fishing for fish and he said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And what we have here is we have Peter who has is, who is experienced one of the most traumatic events of his life. He had seen his, his Savior crucified. And in a moment of fear and weakness, he denied Him three times. He denied Him three times. And now he is struggling with his failure. 
And so many times when we are struggling with our failure, what do we do but return to that which was comfortable, that which is the, the, our old way of dealing with things, our old life. That's where Peter was. Jesus is gone, and the first thing Peter does, I'm going fishing. And his, his fishing adventure was miserable. He caught nothing all night long. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, um, throw it over on the right side. They catch it in a large hall. Peter recognizes, brings this current there. I want to share with you, you know, there's several important things I want to point out here. One of the traps of the enemy is to get us to fall back into an old way of doing things. Okay? That's a trap. Returning to what is comfortable is a decision to sacrifice that which you will set you free. Okay? <laughs> Returning to what is comfortable is a decision to sacrifice that which will set you free. Returning to comfortable is saying that everything that, that you have done and worked for wasn't worth it. Returning to what is comfortable is giving up. It is quitting. One of the things that I really loved about Jesus is that He was willing to go to such depths to get our attention, to communicate to us that He still loves us, even in the midst of our, our failure, even in the midst of a, that moment that we let Him down. He, he, he wants us to know that He still loves us. Peter and the other disciples are back in the water fishing and Jesus calls to them, what are you doing? <laughs> this is what I called you out of. Now I'm not telling you fishing is bad. Okay, <laughs> this, is not, this is not a message to ridicule fishing as an enjoyable pastime. <laughs> Thank you, Butch. No, this is... This is Fishing in this moment can be whatever God called you out of when He called you to follow Him. For every one of us, it's going to be different. He called me out of, an, a, of a, a cycle of abuse, of alcohol, of, of drugs, of things that He said, listen, I want you to come out of that and follow me. And that's what I did. I, I came out of those things and I began to follow Him. Now even in the midst of it, Jesus wanted to catch their attention. He wanted to teach a lesson. I, I believe that Jesus is going to take every opportunity that He can to teach us a lesson. Even in the midst of something that we're doing that may not be what His will is for our life, He's going to use that as an opportunity to teach us. And so it says the disciples caught some fish. Now the Lord had prepared a fire, He had prepared food, and He told Peter to bring some of your fish. Now, let's be honest, how many fish did Peter really have? Huh? How many did he catch all night long? Zero. <laughs> so the fish, thank you guys, the fish that Jesus, or that Peter and the other disciples had, they only had them because Jesus 
told them to cast the net in and he filled their nets. But he said to bring some of the fish you caught. Now, for all you, you know, Bible nerds out there, and I call you a Bible nerd when some of these, these kind of things really, they push in and they really spike your attention, okay? Um, it says, Jesus gives us a specific number. He says, they caught how many fish? 153. Now why, do you think that's a weird number? I did. I've been researching 153 for a couple weeks. Trying to why in the world did Jesus intentionally list out 153. Now, I'm not telling you this is the, the absolute answer, but I think this has a lot of great... This is bonus material for you, okay? Um, a gentleman by the name of Mark Drogan, he's a, he's a researcher in Jewish history, and he tells us this. He says, um, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. The entire Gospel focuses our attention on the living Word of God, Jesus of Nazareth, the evangelist also reveals that this living Word of God is the living bread of life. The living bread is the living Word. Matthew begins by telling us that Jesus the Messiah is the Son of David. John, in sharp contrast, does not tell us that. Jesus is the Son of David. Matthew also includes that the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' famous Jewish statement, I did not come to destroy the Torah. In first century... Judaism, Torah, and the Word of God were synonyms. Torah is the Word of God. Again, we see John taking the synoptics to a higher level, taking us deeper into the Gospel. And Jesus promised to bring Torah to its completion. The final Gospel reveals that Torah has become flesh in Jesus of Nazareth. At the end of his life, when Moses was written, had written down his Torah, he gave this order, every seven years you shall read this Torah aloud in the presence of all Israel. Deuteronomy 31, 9-11. It says, over the centuries, an annual cycle of reading the Torah was adopted to fulfill this requirement. The cycle of Torah readings or portions varied from century to century and place to place. In 1910, Jewish Encyclopedia reports that a three-year Torah cycle used in Palestine around the first century had 153 Torah portions. Isn't that cool? 153 parts into which the Torah was divided in the cycles of three years, which prevailed in Palestine till the exiles from Spain through their customs in the Holy Land. So that was just one of the little things I found. I thought, wow, what? I mean, God is so exact in His rendering of Scripture. The things that He wants us to catch on. Some of them will go over our head. And there are going to be those nerdy people that get into all those little details. That it's like, wow. And they're going to go deeper into that. And if that's not you, it's okay. I nerd out on some of these things of the Scripture and how God unfolds so many different things. But God used this moment to speak to all of the people that were going to be reading this passage. Now we're told it's the third time Jesus had shown Himself to His disciples since His resurrection. And after they had eaten, Jesus launches into the reason why He showed up. He wasn't just there hanging out. He wasn't that, that friend that just shows up at your house anytime it was time to eat. 
That was me when I was in college. I knew all my friends and when they ate their meals. And I showed up at just the right time. And some of them even got so used to me showing up, they had a a place prepared for me at the table before I got there. Hey, when you're a bachelor, you take every opportunity for a good meal. (laughs) Jesus was here to change somebody's life. He was here to change somebody's future. He was here to bring restoration. This gone fishing story is one of restoration. Jesus came because of Peter. Peter needed a reminder of why Christ called him out of the fishing business. And so, all the disciples are gathered around, but Jesus is talking only to Peter. And he asks him three questions, and with each question, he gives him a a command. So we're going to look at those. I'm not going to break open these things in the full detail of it. I'm I'm going to lead us into the things that I believe the message wants us to understand, because trying to break down these three commands, or these three questions and three commands, really is a longer process than we have today. He says, do you love me? And like I said, that word love, if you were to go into the deeper portion of it, has a greater depth of meaning for us. But right now we're going to leave it as, do you love me? And then he sa- and Peter says, yes. Well, and, he, and Jesus added something. Do you love me more than these? Now, I don't know if he waved his hand at the rest of the disciples. I don't know if there were some other people out fishing. But he intentionally in this verse acknowledged, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, you know I love you. And in number two, he says, again, do you love me? Peter says, you know that I love you. He says, tend my sheep. A progression. Feed, tend. It's a a different level of care. Jesus isn't done yet. He says, Peter, again a third time, do you love me? And Peter responds, you know all things. You know everything. And Jesus comes back to feed my sheep. Three questions about love. How many times did Peter deny Christ? Three. Three. Love my buddies over there. Three times Peter denied Christ. How many times did Jesus show himself to the disciples? Three. And he brings three questions to Peter. And on that third question, do you love me? The Scripture says that that Peter became grieved. He became grieved. Now this wasn't, a, this wasn't a grief of loss. And as someone has died, this was a grief of recognizing his sin. Of recognizing his failure. Not the failure of the three denials, 
I believe it was a recognition of his failure to continue doing that which God had called him out to do. To go and fish for men. I think in this moment in Peter's life, Jesus was trying to say, Peter, I have called you out of this. I, I told you I, I have so much more for you to do. I have, I have something so much bigger for you to do I said you were going to go fish for men, and what are you doing? (laughs) You return to that which is comfortable. In the midst of, of Peter's greatest failure in life, he returned to that which was what God called him out of. What God called us out of. Church, so many times there are things in our past that when God called us out of them, He expects us never to go back. But we do. Because even though we may be detached from that moment, that situation, for a period of time, there's still an attachment there that we have to deal with every day. The Apostle Paul says, I have to crucify my flesh daily to walk in the manner that God's called me to. Peter, because he was, man, he was, he was pouting. <laughs> he was sad for himself. I mean, how many times have we done that? We, we have a, a tremendous failure, and what do we do? We just go find a place to go Wallow in our own misery. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms, right? That's, I mean, we just we come to that moment and we think, I might as well just go back to everything that God had called me out of. As if that one failure is enough to define the rest of our life. How many times have you allowed a failure to become a definition for who you are? It doesn't have to be. But you get to choose. You can choose to fall back on the things of God that God called you out of, or you can fall into the arms of God into a place where you begin to seek His his forgiveness, His healing. Jesus came to bring restoration to Peter because He had a plan for Peter's life. That plan started three years earlier. And Jesus was unwilling to just let that plan go. You know, we, uh, we forget that sometimes God had to pursue us with a level of intensity to get, this, get us to a place of acknowledging His His existence his love for us and that's why jesus said to peter three times do you love me peter could say it in different levels and and that final one as he was feeling the weight and the pain and he said jesus you already know you know everything i'm thinking or feeling you know i do love you I I am miserable because of the things that I've done, the mistakes that I've made, and I don't know how to get from here to where you were calling me to go in the first place. 
And Jesus' answer is so very simple. It's get up and go do that thing that I told you to do in the first place. See, sometimes we want to, play, we want to pay penance. It is easier to pay penance to try to find a level of forgiveness than to just accept the free gift of God and get up and keep doing that which God called us to do. God doesn't need you to pay penance. He's already paid the price. He just wants you to acknowledge your sin, acknowledge your mistake, to get up and keep moving forward. Because He knows as long as you stay in that pit of sorrow, of, of wallowing in your own pain, of a, your own muck, as long as you stay there, the enemy is going to continue to beat the tar out of you. Because he's good at it. And Jesus is saying, I realize you love me. So now go do what I told you to do. And, and what I'm here to tell you today, regardless of what you've gone through in your life, regardless of what you've struggled with, regardless of how many times you may have failed, Jesus still loves you. Scripture says that the calling of God is without repentance. That means you can't run from it when God calls you to something. Because His calling chases you. And He just wants you to acknowledge it, to get up and start moving in the direction you were called to go. Whatever that is. Just do it. Stop wanting a pity party. Nobody likes a pity party. Except for the person who is in it. But nobody wants to come and celebrate with you. Get up and start moving in the direction that God's called you. He's calling for a church, a triumphant church, an advancing church. This is a year of advancement. 2021 is a year of us taking ground. And some of you have been wallowing in a bunch of pity for a while, and it's time for you to get out of your pit and start moving forward. The calling of God is still present in your life. He still has a plan for you. But you've got to get up and get moving. Don't go back to what was comfortable. Don't go back to what God called you out of. Get up and start moving in the direction He told you to go. And when you do that, I believe you'll begin to experience an outpouring of God's presence. If you were to read, if we were to take time and read the rest of the events that took place in Peter's life, this moment in Peter's life changed him. Because from this point forward, Peter became this aggressive evangelist that went out and, and saw thousands of people come to the Lord. And, and Jesus is willing us to confront us today in our pit to get us moving in the direction He wants us to go. But we have to get up and get moving. No more going fishing just to avoid that which God's called you to do. Let's pray.
Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your persistence, Your consistent, persistent calling, Your presence, the things that You do every day to steer us in the direction You would have us to go. And so I pray for each of Your people here today. Whoever is wallowing in a pit of misery, in a pit of despair, in a self-pity pit. Father, I pray that You would help them to get up, to brush themselves off, and to start moving. Because You've got a calling on our lives. And it is going to do no one any good for us to stay there. Father, I pray just as You confronted Peter, that You would confront us with, do You love Me? Then go do what I called You to do. Feed My sheep. Tend My sheep. Feed My sheep. We thank You. We ask for this in Your name. Amen. Who's getting out of a pit today? I am. I've been in a few of them. You know, sometimes we don't realize leaders get there too. Peter was a leader. He was always the first to open his mouth. Not always the right way. But he was always, he didn't want to, you know, he jumped out of the boat. He was the one that got out of the boat and walked on water. You know, there are a lot of things Peter was, you know, dogged for, but the truth is he genuinely loved God and he wanted to do things for Him. He just had to get out of his own way. Get out of your own way, people. Praise God. All right, at this time we're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offering. If you're with us on our uh, Facebook live feed, we would appreciate it if you just make a, just say hello to us in, your, uh, in the comment section. Just so that we know you were here, and uh, want to remind you, if you have not signed up yet for our new church app, I know you're going to keep hearing that, and you'll keep hearing that until all of you sign up. Because every time I log on, it tells me all of you who haven't. So, so I'm just telling you, and you're saying, well, I can't download it on my phone, I don't have a smartphone, or I'm not smart. We can help you with one of those answers. Um, I can help you get onto a computer and you can, because it, it can be all computer done. You don't have to have a smartphone to do any of it. You just need to go on there and, and finish it because it gives us the ability to keep in regular communication with you uh, about the events that are going on. So uh, we do have some events that are coming up. We have men's um, Bible study coming up on the last uh, Sunday of the month. So that's next Sunday. Genesis. Not 14 through 18, 14 and 18. I'm glad you said that because I was reading 14 through 18. Not that I wouldn't benefit from 14 through 18. Alrighty, perfect. So that's next week. And it's going to be a great time. So, all right. Um, Brother Jerry, what was that? Next Sunday is our kids program going to be a great time. Yay! 
So uh, come ready um, for a great time. And uh, we'll keep you informed on things that are going on. If you, you know, I think we're going to do cookies right after. I, I think that's what I'm thinking. At least that was a thought. And I think cookies are good most days. So we're, we're just playing somehow. We're gonna, somehow we're going to do good cookies next Sunday after the kids are done. A, a cookie potluck, right? Sound good? Maybe I'll buy ice cream. We'll have cookies and ice cream. I don't know. When it comes to dessert, I really am in a new element. So... Um, but uh, Brother Jerry, would you go ahead and pray over our offering? Father God, thank you so much for hearing us. Thank you, Lord, for our body here at Bellbrook uh, Community Church. Lord, thank you for our friends, our neighbors, and each one of us, Lord, that benefits from being close to you. And Lord, help us to love you even more by our giving of our gifts. We thank you and praise you for Amen. Kids, you did a great job. When the uh, ushers are done, you can greet one another and uh, just be able to uh, fellowship with one another. God bless you. You're dismissed.